Amen. Well, we're in a series right now on the seven deadly sins and the seven virtues that counteract those sins. So let's ask the Lord to help us, shall we? Father, we thank You today for the ministry of Your Holy Spirit. We would be so lost without You, God. It's one thing to save us, but then it's another to put Your Spirit and Your nature in us to keep us saved, to deliver us even unto our full salvation of eternity. Lord God, give us the power to break this flesh and these things that so easily beset us. Give us insight today to see what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at these seven deadly sins. We looked at three previously. We're looking at two more today. And uh, to help you understand where we've been, we began with the sins of excess. Now, these seven deadly sins were formulated throughout the centuries in the Christian church to help us deal with our flesh and deal with them and to show us that there is a countermeasure to acting in the flesh and that comes from the Spirit of God. And how many of you know that we needed a greater power in us than us? Because we can't conform ourselves to the image of Christ without the very power of Christ in us. And so we looked at the three sins of excess, lust, greed, gluttony, and through these sins of excess, we find how we hunger in ourselves. But now we're starting on the next three, and those are the sins of maliciousness. This morning, we're going to deal with wrath or anger and envy. Now, what happens is these two issues begin to encroach into other people's lives, The other ones, we're dealing with us and our own excesses of our flesh. But now when we look into maliciousness, we begin integrating with other people. And we begin to have these sins of the flesh impact and affect other people in our lives. And that's where we need help to be delivered. And I have good news for you. God is going to deliver us. Amen? Isn't that good? Yeah, thank God. Your neighbor's happy that you're going to be delivered too. What we're looking at this morning is envy, and the virtue that's going to counteract that envy is kindness, the very love and the grace and the goodness of God. That kindness of His nature is going to overcome envy. And we're also going to take a look at anger today, and God is going to give us a peace and a spirit of self-control, a forgiveness to release all this anger and bitterness that you may have pent up. Everybody's dealing with it. We all have got to focus on it. So, What I want you to begin to consider is this. How many of you brushed your teeth this morning? Anybody brush your teeth this morning? Okay, good. Deodorant? Anybody? Okay, good. Uh, I'm noticing a few people that are looking at their neighbor to make sure their hand went up. (laughs) There's a thing right now in psychology that's um, called emotional hygiene. And uh, the concept is this, that Uh, we take care of our teeth, we brush our hair, we wash, we shower, we take care of our uh, bodies. We also need to take care of our psychological well-being and our emotional well-being. We need to take care of that inner man. And uh, so psychology is working on that today. It's nice that they're catching up to what the Bible has already said centuries ago. And in fact, what God provided for us through the power and person of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who can, as Paul said, renew our mind. 
He's the one that has a remedy. We can find out why we're bitter. We can find out why we're angry. But do we have any power or ability to overcome that? And we can maybe rearrange our thinking and our thoughts. But in all reality, it is only the Spirit of God that can give us a new heart, a new mind, and a new understanding. He can remove guilt and bitterness, shame and anger. He can remove envy and speak into our souls. Really, instead of trying to get some kind of medication or some try and help, uh, again, I'm for medication and I'm for help with other people, but can I tell you, there is one remedy that is essential, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, what's happening in the church today and what's happening with many of us, I find it in my own life, is what's happening is we're running to other things beside the power of God. And can I tell you why? Because the ministry of the Holy Spirit takes relational commitment. Relational commitment. And this is a problem for the 21st century person. Those two words are really an issue for all of us. First of all, commitment. I don't have to be committed to anything. I'm committed to me. Secondly, relationship. We're really lacking relationship. We've, we're developing in a society where the depth of our relationship is reduced to texts and tweets. We don't even talk. We don't, and it's across the board. We're afraid of relationships. Our relationships fail us continually. We're tired of being hurt. And the reason they fail and hurt is because of these seven deadly sins that are at work in us. And what we need most is a relational and committed relation with the Holy Spirit. The church has forgotten what it means to tarry, to press in, to pray, to long for, to hunger for God. It takes us eating and digesting this Word of God daily. You live with your flesh 24-7. Every instant, every second, your flesh is motivating you. And how many of you know we need the motivation of the Holy Spirit? So I need to press into the Holy Spirit moment by moment. I need to relate to Him. I need to connect and be committed to His Word. I have to believe His Word is better than my last thought. His Word is a better conclusion than my best effort. I need to grab on. Hold on to this Word. When I have a break in the day, I need to read the Word. It's not your willpower. It's spirit power. That's the only thing that's going to deliver us. I know from my own life, I've been in the pit of despair. I've been into great rejoicing. But there's only one constant that keeps me level and set. It's the Word of God and the relationship of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We can do nothing without Him. And so in dealing with these seven issues of the flesh, and today envy and and anger, can I encourage all of us today, press into the Holy Spirit. It's not enough to come on a Sunday. It's not enough to come on a Wednesday. It's not enough to come here. You have to go to Him. It's Him. It's Him. We sing to Him. We pray to Him. We talk to Him. We hear the Word. Because we need a power and a strength greater than our own. And so you must latch on to that relationship with the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, because there's a malicious spirit in us called envy. 
And we need to take a look at what envy is. I would encourage you to get a book written by Bob Sorge, S-O-R-G-E, Sorge. It's one of the best books I've ever read on envy. Had such insight because God exposed his heart and the envy that he had in his heart. And once, how many of you know once you get exposed, you begin, you, you begin to learn about the power of that thing in you so that you could be set free? Bob Sorge wrote this, and he says it's the most common problem that nobody has. I don't envy anybody. I don't have any problem with that. And we do. We all do. Envy is a distress over someone else's success. And it always pretends to be noble. And we always have this issue when someone else is blessed. We're okay to cry with those who are hurting. Paul says, weep with those who weep. And rejoice with those who rejoice. I got no problem. You're hurt. I know what it means to hurt. Oh, you're down and out. That's tough. I'll pray for you. You can make it. You can do it. But when they get blessed, the first response is, how come, how come them? What about me? How come they're blessed? Testimony time is a mixed bag. We'll have testimonies on Wednesday night. Someone will stand up. You're not going to believe what God did. I needed a car. He gave me a car and a thousand dollars besides that. And you go, what am I? Where everybody's supposed to be going, that's awesome, that's amazing. Usually everybody's going like, oh man, I got nothing. What's the deal? We envy the blessings. You remember what Jesus said? He said, where two or more are gathered, envy's in the midst of them. He didn't say that, did he? No. He said, I'm going to show up so I can deal with all this problems you've got. Where two or more are gathered, I'm in the midst. Why do we need them in the midst of us? Anybody? Anybody? Because we're here. We need him in our midst. And he said, if two of you are gathered, you need me. You ever think of it that way? We always think of it, oh, he's going to be with us while we pray. He's here to break up the fights. We need God in our midst. Think about it. It started all the way back. Envy was there when Cain and Abel were offering, right? Abel offers. God says, that's nice. Cain offers. God says, Cain, there's a problem. Why do you like his better, right? Ishmael and Isaac. Jacob and Esau. Envy. I want what you got. You got what I need. The grass is always greener, right? This is the problem with jealousy, When promotion comes to another, our hearts can get hardened. That's what Israel was doing. In the New Testament, that's what Romans 9, 10, and 11 is all about. God is deciding to offer grace to the Gentiles, and Israel's going like, hey, no, what? We put up with this thing for a long time. Now you're just going to give grace to these Gentiles? And Paul says, don't let your hearts be hardened like Pharaoh's heart was hardened. If God wants to show him favor, let him show favor on who he wants to. But we have issue with it in the church. Because we feel neglected. We feel like we didn't get enough from God. Really, our envy of others is really an issue between you and God. Envy, the only way to to beat it is to diffuse it. And that diffusing it is knowing who you are in Christ. Turn with me to James chapter 3. I want to take you there. Verse 14, James 3, 14. It's right after Hebrews. James chapter 3, verse 14. He says this, But if you have bitter jealousy 
and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Now, who's he writing to? Oh, Christians, right. Okay, Christians. So Christians, all you Christians that have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, he said, don't boast and don't be false to the truth. He says this, this is not wisdom that comes down from above. It's earthy, unspiritual, and demonic. So there's three categories that envy operates in. It it has the, the power to move into our being. We all envy. Everybody here does, right? I mean, routinely, don't you? Someone, we'll go for rides down Lakeshore Drive. I'm happy with my house, but we drive and we go, oh my gosh, look at that one. That house is awesome. Did you see around the back? Look at the back. Oh, tennis courts and a pool. You know, I mean, I'm not jealous. I, I've got a great, I, I've got a, a ping pong table and, and flowers. I'm happy with what I have. Really, I am. Because it, you, you know what? It takes more money and uh, they have to clean bigger homes and I'm satisfied with what I have. But in big ways and in small ways, we all envy. We have jealousy. That's nice. Oh, look what he got. I get that every time we eat. Every time we eat dinner, someone orders something better than what I have. Do you do this? I'll look and I'll go, well, I better eat right and I better eat smart. I'll order the chicken. And so then everybody else orders and then the plate comes and it's like, what's that? What'd you get? Stay. Okay. Oh, what's that? I should have ordered that. What'd you get? Chicken. You want to taste? No, I'm fine. I don't want to taste it, then I want it. How many of you have food envy? Anybody? I get food envy all the time. That looks good. James says that there's three different levels. One, he says, earthy, earthy. It's just your flesh. It's just always, oh, that looks nice. I I think I'd rather have that one. That's good, right? Uh, And so there's just an earthy, there's just our fallen nature, our humanness. We're always grass is greener, jealous of different things. you got to contend with that. You have to deal with it. But then he goes on, he says it's also unspiritual. It can reach a level where it's a spiritual issue. Now you're moving past just a, uh, that's nice, I'd like to have that. Now you're moving into a jealousy and into a spiritual problem here. And then he goes on and says it could even get what? Demonic. Demonic. The enemy can use envy. The enemy can use envy to make you feel like God loves you less. How many of you have ever been t- attacked in that realm? I have. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit it, man. Uh, look, it. everybody deals with this, so everybody raise your hand for me. Thank you. Okay. No, I don't deal with envy. I don't have any of these problems. <laughs> Okay, so envy is a real issue, and it can go all the way to the realm of demonic, and demonic spirits can use that against us in a spiritual realm, and what it begins to do is it causes you to think, God cares less for me than another, or God doesn't provide for me as compared to others. See, now that's a real issue, but listen to what he says, if you will trust in the Lord. He says this, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder and vile practice but the wisdom from above is first pure peaceable 
gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Wow. He's saying that if you will move out of envy and into the Spirit, press into the Holy Spirit, when you feel like you lack, or you feel someone's getting something better, or you wish you had what they had, begin to count your blessings. Begin to consider what God has done for you. Right? We, you, you remember that song, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what... That's when they used to play tuba in church. Count your blessings, name them one by one. I'm just kidding. Okay. Anyways, what we do with envy is we count their blessings, name them one by one. Count their blessings, see what God didn't do for you. Well, no. Paul, James is saying if you will begin to lean into God, if you will begin to seek His face, understand His wisdom, and not be jealous, what happens is He begins to pour out a pure heart, a sincere spirit, with mercy and good fruits, you'll become impartial. You won't weigh anymore them versus me. It'll be impartial. God loves us all, and it's sincere. God's love for you is sincere. He's not giving you less. There's a timing in everything. Parents here know what I'm talking about. There's a time you release blessing. There's a time you give, right? How many of you remember when your kids were little and it was one of their birthdays? It's like, how come I didn't get any presents? It's not your birthday. It's their birthday. Yeah, but I want one too. We all act like that. We get jealous. Well, if God wants to promote someone, celebrate that. He'll promote you. Peter goes on to say this in 1 Peter 2, verses 1 and 2. Put away all malice, hypocrisy, and envy. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. That's it. I don't have to envy. I don't have to be jealous if I have the goodness of God for myself. I've tasted God and He's good. Praise God that someone gave you a Mercedes-Benz and a Lincoln Continental and three boats. Hallelujah. God bless you. I know my place in God. And he knew, he knew it would ruin me if I had those things. You see what I mean? When you have tasted of the Lord and you know He's good, you don't become jealous. What do I need to be jealous of you? Bless you for what you have. That's great. I pray God uses you. You don't know what that person went through to get where they are. You don't need that, right? Esau looks at Jacob and says, Wow, you got two wives. You don't know what I went through for these women. Four wives. Whoa, how many kids you got? Whoa, 12. What's going on? Gee, I wish I had that. You don't wish you had that. Joseph, ooh, look at you running a nation of Egypt. Isn't that great? Look at all what happened to him. I wish I had. You don't want what Joseph went through to get what he had. Listen, you taste the Lord and see that He's good. You, when you are in an intimate relationship with Him, when you are counting on Him, when you are pressed into Him in commitment and you're seeking Him, when someone else gets blessed, you, that doesn't injure you. That doesn't offend you. That doesn't take anything away from you. You don't have to be jealous or envy because you've tasted the sweetness of God. 
I know my God, so I don't need that. So God is providing this for you. God is providing this very virtue of kindness, of goodness for you, so that you don't have to consider what someone else will have because His love and His mercy fills you up. If you're satisfied, you don't need to eat somebody else's plate. Does that make sense to you? And he's providing that relationship for everyone here today. You heard the prophecies in our midst that today is your day. This is your hour. There, are, there is a dimension of love that you've never even tasted or had before. And it's here for you today. And if you would taste and see that this thing's good, you don't have to be envious of anybody else or what anybody else has. But know that God loves you and He's good. Amen? Now, we need to go into another issue of... of uh, maliciousness and that is anger this is big this is the this is the new big thing right now for all of us at the pace we're running in our society at the way life is going everybody's just a little bit on edge have you noticed this there's a little bit of rage everywhere everywhere i was surprised at at how much anger and wrath there is um, and, and frustration. Everybody's frustrated, right? Things don't work right. And, and we've, we've worked at such a speed and at such a pace. How many of you are like sick because your computer just runs so slow? Five years ago, remember, you could have had a coffee break by the time you switched programs and you were fine with it. Now it's not instant. It's too slow. So there's this whole issue of anger, of frustration. Let me give you a bunch of categories for rage. Road rage. Road rage. How many of you have heard of road rage? How many have witnessed? How many of you have witnessed road rage? How many of you are the cause of road rage? Ah, no, it wasn't me. Oh, it was. Okay. Doesn't it kill you when someone yells at you, when they pass and they're screaming at you? And it's like, you're unaware, has this happened to anybody? You're driving around, hallelujah. Some guy pulls up and he's going, and he's flipping the bird at you and he speeds off and you go like, what I do? It makes me feel bad. I didn't mean it, I didn't do anything, what I do? And I'm thinking, what did I do? How did I offend? How did I hurt? And I get mad. Hey, what do I do to you? And this is how it happens. Then they go back and forth. I've seen people like almost kill each other, go in front and break, and then another guy go in front and break. And all. It's crazy. Road rage. Office rage. Office rage. Does anybody see any office rage at work? Anybody get mad at work? People get upset with each other in their little cubicle or with whatever they're working on. Or Office rage is a big deal. Computer rage. Who gets mad at their computer? Anybody? Anybody? I'm just curious. I'm going to take a quick poll. Who has hit their computer? You've become physical with your computer. Okay. A kick, you never know, right? It works with cars. Kick it. Maybe it'll work. Anybody throw a mouse? Anybody? I just want to see. Anybody throw a mouse? Okay. Well, one mouse thrown. Phone rage. Phone rage. Right? Can't get a stupid, won't work, can't, can't get a call out, won't send you the text, you have to wait, you're in a tunnel, I'm not even in a tunnel. Phone rage is big, air rage, how many of you have heard of air rage? Air rage has gone up 
400% in the last five years. You know what air rage is? Flying on an airplane. See, you get 200 people, 100 people in a sardine can, and it's trouble. All breathing that air. Circulating air. There's evil in the air. I wouldn't want to be a stewardess. It's crazy. So there's air rage. How about shopping rage? Anybody shopping rage? Have you noticed how people are so impatient at a store? I can't believe it. And then the lady behind the counter, she's got cash register rage. I don't know. It's stuck and the spool won't work. Oh my gosh. Everybody's like ticked. And you're praising Jesus. Shopping rage. Or when someone stops in the middle of the aisle right in front of you. Pavement rage. Have you heard of pavement rage? <clears throat> you don't in Detroit because everybody drives a car. This is for people who walk. There are actually people. I've heard of it. I've seen it on TV. There are actually people who walk. They walk in cities. They do. There's people that, large groups of people walk from block to block, city to city, headlight, uh, stoplights and all this. We drive everywhere. We can't go. <laughs> we don't walk anywhere. We drive everywhere. But in other places, they have... Uh, walking pavement rage, and sometimes people get mad even in pavement rage. Remote control. Remotes, right? I don't have remote rage. I have children rage because when I get the remote, they go, give me the, give me the thing, Dad. Just give me the thing. I can find it. Oops, oops, oops. Just give me the remote. And then here's a big one. Family rage. Isn't it interesting that the people you love can make you so angry so fast? I mean, marriages are falling apart from anger and frustration and bitterness. We're giving up on each other. We've got families breaking apart, children not talking to other children, siblings, and not talking to parents. There's such anger and rage over different issues. This thing goes crazy. It goes deep. So anger is a real, real problem. Let me give you some statistics with anger. The Sunday Times wrote this in 2006. 64% of people are either strongly uh, believing, uh, I'm sorry, 64% of the people believe that anger is getting worse in society. 84% feel stressed more than five years ago. Do you feel stress levels up? 45% of us regularly lose our temper at work. 65% are working in an office where there is regular rage. 38% of the men are unhappy at work. 2006, I think by 2015 it's up to about 50. 60% of all absences from work are caused by stress. 33% uh, uh, of neighbors are not on speaking terms. Yeah, you stepped on my lawn. 80% of drivers say they've been involved in road rage. 71% of internet users suffering net rage. 50% of us have reacted to computer problems by throwing them, screaming, or yelling. Uh, More than one-third of the population is losing sleep because of anxiety and anger. 60% are irritated by people who spend their whole day gossiping and spreading rumors because they're angry. 
One in five people, that's 20%, have ended a relationship or a friendship because of anger. This thing's out of control. It's in us all. You saw what envy did with Cain and Abel. And then you saw when anger came in, what Cain did to Abel. Right? Same with Jacob and Esau and so forth. This can get bad. We've got a problem with rage. We've got a problem with anger. Now, what you need to do is this. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. How? There's the key. How? You can't do it in your ability to control yourself. We must lean upon the Holy Spirit. The wisdom that comes from above. All right, a fool vents his full anger. You see, here's the thing about anger. There is actually good anger and bad anger. In Ephesians 4 it says, in fact it commands, be angry, but sin not. It's an actual command. So angry, see jealousy, he, he doesn't, he, you, don't, you don't want to envy uh, as a good thing, you, you know what you have in God. But with anger, there's a time to have a righteous indignation. How many of you know that? There is such injustice in this world. There is such evil in this world. There are such things that hurt and abuse people that the church should be absolutely angry about, willing to do something about it and stop it. Would you agree with me? But we must do it in the Spirit of Christ. Jesus was angry. How many of you know that? Jesus made a whip. Jesus took a whip and he knocked over the tables and he drove the people out. He said, get out of here. He was so zealous for his father's house. But he did not wound, hurt, and abuse anybody. He didn't strap a bomb on himself. He came and he offered salvation. He offered a better way, eventually offering his spirit to whosoever would want it. Listen, we're supposed to be angry about injustice. We're supposed to be angry about the evil in this land. But we do it with the Spirit of Christ. Because if you don't, you'll end up doing it in your flesh. There are a number of times where I have felt under the influence of the Holy Spirit, I've ministered and helped and counseled. I've had to fix and help situations and relationships. And I could tell the Holy Spirit was giving me Uh, an authority and an unction and a power to speak into this thing. And they'd speak back and have attitude and I'd speak under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And then there'd be something, boy, it would rise up. They'd say something back to you and I'd let them have it. And I could tell. Uh, That didn't come from the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I knew I crossed over. Sometimes it's subtle. Have you ever felt that and know that? And it's that at that point it gets me in trouble. It creates an offense. It creates a problem. I've dealt in deliverance where I'm dealing with demonics. And when you're dealing with demonic, the Holy Spirit is giving you the words to say, dealing with this thing, casting that demon out. But demons know if they can just get you in the flesh. They'll wrestle with you. They'll intimidate. They'll pull back. They'll do whatever they can to wrestle to get you to go off in your flesh. You can have a righteous anger against that thing and command it in Jesus' name. And then when it rebuts, and that's when it comes against you, and then it calls you a jerk or it does something else, just to get you enough to get in your own 
flesh angry at it and you've joined its team. So anger is very delicate. We're not to cross into our flesh. We're to stay in the Spirit of Christ. Let Him control your anger. Let the Spirit of God regulate how far to push and when to come back to have the strategy of heaven. The proverb that I quoted to you says that the fool, he, what he does is he gives full vent to his anger. You know what full vent is? All systems go. Bah! But he says the wise man keeps himself under control. Under whose control? The Spirit's control. This is how we must operate anger. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 4.26. Be angry, but do not sin. Like I said, there are times we need to be angry. There are times we need to call things out. There are times we put our foot down and say, that's it, that's enough. But you need to know the line where sin crosses. Only you can. Only you know when you cross over into that flesh. And so be angry, but do not sin. Then he goes on to say this. Be careful that this anger doesn't overtake you. It doesn't lead into the next day and the next day and the next day. If you have anger, he says, don't let the sun go down. That's an old way of saying, you know, by the end of the day, you need to deal with this. You may not even be resolved, but what you do is you resolve to the sense that, God, I have done what I need to do today. I give it to you. I'm praying that you are going to be sovereign over this thing. I'm going to rest in you. I've given you my, my plea. I've asked of you, oh God, and I'm going to rest in this. Or with someone you've been mad at. You know, we're not seeing eye to eye, but you know what? I care about you. I love you, but I'm really mad at you. But you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out for now. Put it to rest for that night. This thing shouldn't grind you and agitate you. And when it does, it's debilitating. And now the enemy's using that anger to destroy you. So, don't let the sun go down and give no opportunity to whom? The devil. Because he wants to operate you in your flesh. He knows The devil knows he's lost you to the Lord Jesus. He knows you're saved. But what he wants to do is rob you of the benefits of God and the intimacy with His Spirit so that He just keeps you in the flesh. Keeps you in the flesh. So we have got to stay what? In the Spirit. Keep being filled. Be being filled in the Spirit of God. Be filled. Or the enemy is going to take you on a road rage. So don't sin. Deal with the conflict. Get, don't put room for the enemy. I close with this. This is how we're going to overcome and this is what God wants you to know. He's got an answer for jealousy and envy. He's got an answer for you with the anger issues that you may have. He's got a help for you. He does. And I want to share it with you in this story. It's the story of Moses. How many of you remember that Moses delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt? That was awesome, wasn't it? Man, God took Moses and taught him how to be a shepherd and now a, a, a leader of a nation. Remember, he showed him how to do this amazing stuff. He said, hey, put your hand in your cloak and put it in and pull it out. Whoop. Ah, it's leprous. Yeah, put it back in. It's gone. Hey. That's cool. Then he said, take that stick you got. He hold it up. Oh, look at the Red Sea parts. This is awesome stuff. Then the plagues and, the, and all this amazing stuff. He saw God in a burning bush, heard God talk to him. 
this is crazy. But you know what? It wasn't enough for Moses to see the demonstration of God's power. Moses wanted God Himself. That's the difference. And that's what God is looking for. That's what God needs out of a Pentecostal people. We believe God can do miracles. We believe God can do all that. But more than seeing the demonstration of His power, we need to believe He wants us. And that you need to see Him. Folks, we believe in the power of God. But we need an intimacy with God. That's what Moses wanted. I did this in your name. I saw you do that. I saw you part the Red Sea. I saw the sun being darkened as night, yet the light shined in our city. I saw you defeat the entire army of Egypt. I saw you burning in a bush. But I want to see you. I want to know you. That's his passion. You want to overcome these sins of the flesh, these issues that always are rooting and routing in your flesh? We all have to deal with it. You want to deal with your issue of anger? You need an intimacy with Christ. You want to deal with envy and jealousy? You need to taste Him and see He is good. So Moses said, I want to see you. And God knew that, Moses, if you look at me, man, you're going to fry like a piece of bacon. It's over for you. Maybe bacon was the wrong reference for a kosher man. But anyways. (laughs) He said, you can't see me, Moses. You can't. He said, but what I'm going to do, and I love this about God, He's going to accommodate us. Isn't that amazing? God accommodates us. I don't know what you need today, but ask of Him and He'll accommodate you. God, show me a sign. He will. God, help me understand what's wrong. He will. But He sometimes has to hide you in a rock. He's got to put you aside. He's got to put you in something so that you can get to the end of what you're looking for. And He said, Moses, I'm going to put you in the cleft of this rock. And he said, I'm going to pass by you, but you cannot see me for who I am in all my majesty. But I'll let you see my back, my hind parts. And so he did, but he did something more than that. And I love this about this story. It says this, then in Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7, the Lord passed before him. This is the moment. This is it. Can you imagine this? I don't know how wide the cleft of the rock is. You know, I don't know what he squeezed him into. But can you imagine the rumbling, the, the, the power, the might, the light, the, the fireworks of God coming before you, the wind? I mean, here he comes. <laughs> Do you remember when you used to play hide and seek and you hid and you couldn't stand it because people are near you and you go, here I am! You imagine the anticipation, God is coming! God is walking in front of you. And it says that God said, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. What Moses wasn't allowed to see God spoke into him. He he couldn't see it, but God said, this is who I am. It's his word that revealed who he was. That word became flesh. 
that word that passed before him that Moses couldn't see, the rest of the world saw in Jesus Christ. And you know him now. He not only spoke in front of Moses, and the word not only became flesh, but for us, he now comes to dwell within. Slow to anger. That's the spirit he has in you. You don't need to envy. He's the God of all the earth. What do you need? He is in you. What do I need to envy? What am I jealous for? Why am I angry at these people's attitudes and actions? I've got the God of the universe within me. That's our remedy. Press into the Lord. Let's bow.